if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible is the fantasy. Bible. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Bible. I'm Nate Binder here with Dane Vega. How are you doing, Dane? So excited to get into these running back rankings today. Ever since the thought crossed our text messages about this podcast idea, I've been waiting for rankings episodes and we're here post-draft. I'm excited. Yeah, as we all know, running back is the premium position in most fantasy football leagues. So uh, this is sort of going to be a early discussion of these rankings. Dane and I don't know what each other's rankings are, so there there will probably be some key differences throughout. We're going to go through the top 24, probably spend a lot more time uh, on certain ones than others. I don't know. Obviously, we, we're going to try and keep this under, uh, you know, like two hours. We don't want to go on all day. <laughs> Um, because 24 is a long number, but, uh, yeah, you know, we're going to do our best here. Um, uh, before we get into news, I just want to let you guys know that you can find us on fantasy Bible pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we put out some content there, some videos, some graphics some stuff like that. It'd be great if you guys could like us there and also, you know, follow us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, all that stuff. All right, Dane. What do we have in news? Yes. All right. We've got NFL schedules have been announced. Get your vaccines, get your tickets, support your local team, even if it's the Texans or the Lions. And as exciting as it is to see the shiny new schedules, we can speculate on matchups, betting lines, and upsets. But now we've entered the darkest part of the offseason where news will mostly consist of injury recoveries, lackluster free agent rumors, and baseless coach speak. Hey, rookie minicamp started this week. It did. Yeah. So we'll be able to give you some tracking on that. You know, who knows what news from beat reporters will make it out. But yeah, we're going to do our best to make it entertaining in this drought of an off season that we are in for the next two to three months. So yeah, this, the schedule release, uh, I, I didn't really any notice any big highlights on the schedule release. I didn't take a close look at it, but I'm sure there's some exciting stuff in there. I know the uh, Bucks play the Pats, which, which will be a great game for sure. Yeah, in week one, Sam Darnold starts against his former team, the Jets. Carolina plays the Jets, so that'll be exciting. There's plenty of narratives we can craft here. I mean, they they know what they're doing in the NFL when they create the schedules. They want to get views, so they'll make it interesting each week. So, uh, and in week in other two, news, Dane and I will be able to bring you live coverage from the Falcons and Buccaneers <laughs> game as we will be attending and bringing all our podcasting equipment into the stadium. Uh, yeah, man. So excited that we got a media pass to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to film live to from the, the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, we'll be refs in the in the end zone there. That's going to be great. No, so excited that we can go to a football game live. Going to see Tom Brady sling it against Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's going to have flashbacks of 28 and 3, the comeback of Super Bowl something. I can't even remember. We win too many Super Bowls to keep track. Eight or two. I think I think you're right, but because uh yeah, I'm so excited. The Eagles won the one after that. And it was 52, I think. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Pats made it to 52, and we all know the Eagles won somehow. Anyways. To the glory of God. All right. Uh, yeah. What's our next Speaking of God. <laughs> speaking of God, <laughs> Tim Tebow signs with the Jacksonville Jaguars. By God, he's done it. It's a polarizing signing. Some hate him, some love him. Will we see Tebow blossom as a tight end? Will we see him in some Taysom Hill-like packages near the goal line? Will he even make the final roster by the start of the season? I don't know, but this move certainly got more media attention to the Jaguars, and for that, it's probably already a win of signing, so that's that's interesting. Given the name of our podcast, I think it's only right that we make Tim Tebow the official tight end of the Fantasy Bible Podcast. Draft Tim Tebow in your fantasy leagues. <laughs> uh, do whatever you need to do to get Tim Tebow on your team. It's not about playing him. It's about, you know, generating that holy energy uh, to give you some momentum throughout the season. Yeah, he can be a team captain for your fantasy league from the bench no matter what. He will just raise the morale of your entire big fantasy morale, roster. Morale. He's going to get your team a lot of media coverage, as Dane, as Dane mentioned. So, um, yeah, I'm all in on Dean, Tim Tebow. <laughs> All right. In other news, we've got Carrion Johnson signed to the Philadelphia Eagles off the of waiver <laughs> wire. So he's never looked the same since his injury two years ago, but it's a good depth signing for the Eagles. But for fantasy, all it really does is kind of murk murky the waters for Miles Sanders. Um, the Eagles also drafted Kenneth Gainwell, premier pass catcher in the draft. And to me, this just means Miles Sanders will not be a three down back like we once thought he could be. I don't know. As an Eagles fan, what do you think? think on that take Nathan I'm actually going to uh you know I have a lot of thoughts on this but I'm actually going to save it for our running back ranking discussion because it's it's sure. kind of the crux of my Miles Sanders uh decision so um that's fair yeah so just not to waste too much time in the in the, in the news section you know I respect yeah to the to the, to the main show all right. And last note of the news, Blake Bortles signs a one-year deal with the Packers. There are rumors the Packers have offered Aaron Rodgers a massive deal, but no real news about that situation has surfaced yet. With the signing, the Packers are preparing their depth chart for a world without Rodgers. Packers GM Brian Gutekunst said that Jordan Love has a long way to... I just want to say that again. Right? Uh, dude, it's Packers... so funny <laughs> I think I'm pronouncing it right, right? No, yeah, I think you are. It's just, and it's like you know, all respect to good influences, um, but it's just a funny <laughs> last name. I don't know. It's just it's funny, and I I can't quite say it, it is. Right. Um, it is funny. Yeah. So Packers GM Brian Gutekunst has said that Jordan Love has a long way to go in his development before he's ready to lead the team. Man, what a rough time it is to be a Packers fan. You could be a Super Bowl caliber team, but the next day if Rodgers isn't there, you're going to be a mediocre roster leading to outrage, giving the the teams like Bears an extra win or two on the season. That's, I think it's night and day if Rodgers isn't there for that team. It, it is a seismic shift in a year, of course, where the Eagles don't pay the Packers. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they, uh, I don't know. It, it, I mean, there's nothing we can really speculate, but it, it does seem at this point that it is kind of an irreparable situation. Yeah, I, I'd say at best it's 50-50. Um, 
yeah, we can only speculate a little bit, and we'll probably mention it when we talk about Aaron Jones because that could affect his ranking to some degree, or at least our uh, uh, what's the word? Our uh, assurances with what he can bring your fantasy team, you know. So. Yeah, we'll get into that, but that's all I got for the news. So let's move right along. Oh, also, you can find us at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we do have a special guest next week coming on. His name is Cam, and he's played in an invite-only fantasy league with Matthew Barry. He will give us his take on fantasy football as a whole. Also, what it's like to play alongside the NFL media head, Matthew Barry. Did we mention he knows Matthew Barry personally? And... Also, his own podcast that he has about fantasy football. We'd love to hear his take on that. So that's exciting. Stick with us next week. We'll just talk a lot about fantasy at large. And with that, let's move to the main segment, if you will. Yeah, uh, excited to have Cam on next week. Um, we haven't met him before, so it'll be it'll be an interesting conversation. Excited to get into some of his takes. Um, and yeah, let's get into these running back uh, these running back rankings. So as we said before. Um, this is sort of just uh, a loose discussion. You know, a lot of things change over the summer. You kind of get more reports. Uh, you know, Dane mentioned coach speak earlier, and there is certainly an element of that. But, um, you know, there is some truth to, to the reports that come out of camp and priorities and who's shining and all that kind of stuff. So um, we'll release a consensus ranking kind of closer to the season. That's kind of our final decision on running backs you should prioritize in which order. Um, but this is kind of just a, a, a preliminary discussion as we are entering a very uh, newsless, dry, terrible <laughs> period for football fans. Um, all right. So number one overall, um, do you want to how, – how should we do this? Should we go – you go and I go, or should we say it at the same time and, and see like, <laughs> how where are we different? Well – um, so I think we're consensus for number one, but I think it could be interesting to do one at a, or like at the same time. So we see like a reaction from the other one, you know, like, oh man, he shouldn't have had that guy there. Whoa. But uh, yeah, we should definitely go each first pick of ours and then second pick of ours and then third pick of ours and then move down our, our one through 24 that way. And we can have discussion of why I think this player is better than your number four pick, et cetera. Well, of course. Uh, yeah. All right. So we'll say them at the same time. Let's do it. And then right. uh, I'll give you first dibs on commentary. Okay. One, two, three, Dalvin Cook. Christian McCaffrey. Oh, <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's hear it. All right. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, Christian McCaffrey, why do we assume that Christian McCaffrey is going to be what Christian McCaffrey was in an offense that's led by Sam Darnold? Is that your whole point? <laughs> okay, is that all, all right. you've got? All right, well, there's a little more to it. Okay, so the, the Panthers <laughs> offensive line was a weak point for them. They chose to address it uh, with Brady Christensen and some other picks and some people that they brought in in free agency, um, but they didn't prioritize it in the first round. They instead prioritized corner with J.C. Horn. So it's an offensive line that is unproven. Um, behind that offensive line is a quarterback that uh, has never performed to the level of Teddy Bridgewater uh, last season uh, from a statistical okay. standpoint. So we're just assuming that Sam Darnold's going to step in and be better than Teddy Bridgewater just because he's getting out of New York. And sure, the Adam Gase effect is a real thing. But uh, Christian McCaffrey riddled with injuries last season. 
Um, you know, I, I just don't, uh, I just like Dalvin Cook more as a player. I think he has more consistency. It's the exact same offense which in which he is prioritized, um, whereas the Panthers offense is definitely a pass heavier offense. And they've added Terrace Marshall, another weapon to that uh, potent receiving core. I think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot more. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey does catch a lot of balls. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I think I would rather have Dalvin Cook than Christian McCaffrey coming off injury uh, with Sam Darnold as a quarterback. Sam Darnold, by the way, not that Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, during his Jets career was ever at the pedigree of uh, Christian McCaffrey, but he couldn't make Le'Veon Bell work and they couldn't make Le'Veon Bell's strengths work. And uh, we also haven't really seen Christian McCaffrey uh, fully in the Joe Brady offense. So we're just like assuming that he's going to have the same pass catching role. Whereas like we see, you know, pass catching backs have success in Washington, which is run by like, you know, Ron Rivera and a lot of Panthers personnel from the Ron Rivera era, but we don't know. I don't know. There's just a lot of unknowns around Christian McCaffrey where Dalvin Cook was so explosive last year and he's walking in the exact same situation um, with arguably, you know, an improved offense with the second year uh, Justin Jefferson leading the receiving core, taking some pressure off the box. I don't know. That's my that's my Dalvin Cook over CMC take. Okay, so I, I wouldn't be upset if I had Dalvin Cook instead of CMC on my roster, but I don't think that saying Sam Darnold hat like needing to be a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater carries too much weight here. I think regardless of whether he's better or not than Teddy, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to get his touches no matter what. Like the three games he played healthy last year, he got 59 attempts rushing. And I think like, you know, 12 pass attempts, like the games he's healthy and in there, he's getting a massive workload and sure. Dalvin cook does too, but you can make a case that Christian McCaffrey had all that rest time toward the end of the last season. And Dalvin cook was grinding. Like I, I think it can go both ways when you try to like paint the injury picture there. But, uh, I understand what you're saying. and I respect that opinion. I don't think it's crazy at all to take Dalvin cook over Christian McCaffrey, but to me, Christian McCaffrey is still the most talented guy on the roster. And if Sam Darnold does struggle, I think he will lean heavily on Christian McCaffrey because he will be a massive part of that offense. There's nobody on the depth chart challenging him. They uh, was it Chuba Hubbard. They drafted. I mean, he's a solid like backup, but he's never going to eclipse Christian McCaffrey this year. That's fair. Um, he did only average three three point eight yards a carry in in those in the games that he did play, but he did rack up a lot of yardage, um, have a ton of work, as you said, and he scored six touchdowns. So, um, you know, he's he's a right. top player. I I think you know I just uh, I like Dalvin Cook a little bit more. Um, but you know, like what happens if Sam Darnold's terrible? Um, Christian McCaffrey's like the only real weapon on that team because Sam Darnold can't ac- execute a passing attack. The offensive line is bad. They stack the box every time. You know, there, there's a situation where CMC struggles, and uh, I think there's just a little less variance in Dalvin Cook. So that's why. I okay, have him. that's interesting. Um, so I assume that you would have Dalvin Cook second. I do have Dalvin Cook second. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, I have CMC second. I just stared at them a long time and realized I would probably rather take Dalvin Cook over Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I'll admit I did give it some thought, but I I do think Christian McCaffrey is just locked into that workload. Dalvin Cook is as well. So like you're saying, it's a matter of whether you think which offense will favor the other better, but it might be even closer than we think. It's probably splitting hairs at this point in the offseason, but uh, 
So, okay, you got our first and second pick there. I'm Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Nate, you are Dalvin Cook before Christian McCaffrey. I think we could see that in some leagues, probably not the majority, but a lot of people are probably going to go off ADP, and I think CMC will supersede uh, Dalvin Cook there. But It could be a total All right, let's... You know, big brain move on my part, part, and you know, it'll be interesting if when we get into our leagues I have the number one pick in, in any league because, of course, then I'll have to right. make that decision. Um, it's also worth noting that Gary Kubiak is no longer the play caller. Gary Kubiak, a great run game uh, designer in Minnesota, so that's uh, a fair reason to have some doubt in Dalvin Cook, but uh, you know, go Knowles. That's what I'm saying. All right. Yeah, uh, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, pick number three. All right. One, two, three. Derek Henry. Derek Henry. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's um, such a stud. Yeah. I mean, he's the focal point of the Tennessee offense. Uh, everything runs through him. And the beautiful thing about Derek Henry is like everyone thinks. Well, you know, obviously there's a, uh, a stigma to the workhorse running back that they're going to break down at some point. But the reason, like, Derrick Henry was splitting carries so often in the first few years of his career that he doesn't really have as much use as, as the typical running back. So I think this is like, you know, where it is actually, what is this, his, his fifth or sixth season? I think it's his fifth season, right? Fifth. Uh, it's definitely not a six. It's his sixth. Uh, it'll be is his, it this this will be his sixth this will be his sixth season so okay but it feels more like his third season you know yeah in his first two years he just didn't really come on that strong um and i mean the dude had two thousand rushing yards last year I, <laughs> and you know that you know you can be more confident i think than in any running back that derrick henry will not be game scripted out no matter I, I feel that's fair because yeah. they need him to make the rest of to to build the play action to do everything that offense does. They need Derrick. Henry. Yeah, their yeah their whole offensive scheme relies on Derrick Henry succeeding. Which if he is handed the ball, he will succeed. So I mean, there's never going to be a game where he gets less than 15 touches. Like yeah. he had 378 pass or sorry rush attempts last year in 16 games. That is absurd. And average over dude. five yards a carry. I mean, the dude. That's absurd. The dude is everything we thought he was. He just ended up being a, like a few years too late. Not to mention, I've, there's been reports that he's been working on his uh, like route running and pass catching in the <laughs> offseason. And so if he can get a yeah. few more receptions in, I mean, forget about it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I believe the Titans drafted a running back, but I don't think it was like a high investment back or anything like that. I think they just added to the state. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was sixth round. I don't even remember who it was. Probably not worth mentioning even right now. But Yeah, the uh, draft is a blur. Yeah, I'm glad we're consensus Derrick Henry number three, even in half PPR, which is we're ranking on half PPR. So some of the pass catchers will be slightly elevated by that. Derrick Henry is not historically a pass catching running back, but regardless, he's getting the workload. He is so efficient. He is a monster. Like, absolutely. If I was pick number three, I'd be very happy to walk away with Derrick Henry. Oh, and if we were playing standard, I would rank Derrick Henry number one easy. I mean, I think I, so. Yeah. I don't even think it would be a question. Um, but it's just the re the receiving aspect that, that puts those other guys above it. All right, number four. And this is one that uh, I'm looking at, like, you know, like we said, I, I'm already questioning my rankings here. Uh, mm -hmm. One, two, three, Zeke. Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, All right. I'm interested to hear well, your take on Zeke. Okay. The thing is like Zeke had a down year and as it's been pointed out to me countless times, he didn't even play that well in the games that uh, Prescott played. And this is okay. This, <laughs> this is another one where maybe I have a big brain theory here, but COVID Zeke had COVID and we saw oh, a lot okay. of instances where COVID affected how players executed the offense. I also think that, you know, the offense wasn't, uh, you know, they were forced where typically the offense would run through Zeke. Um, it was more Dak Prescott had to do a lot more last year because they were constantly playing from a deficit because the defense was so bad. So they couldn't rely on Zeke to close out games as they would in a typical situation. Now I think the Cowboys are probably going to be a little better this year. They haven't added uh, a ton. To, I mean, they, they added Micah Parsons. They had probably one of the worst drafts from a resources perspective, but they added two incredible linebackers in uh, Jabil Cox and Micah Parsons. Um, they added uh, uh, Kelvin Joseph as a, a cornerback who has a very high ceiling, but he's not quite NFL ready. That's what it'll be, I think, Trevon Diggs and like probably Kelvin Joseph has to start. So their secondary is still suspect. So there's still a good chance of them getting, you know, ripped to shreds, but I think their defense will be better. They brought in Dan Quinn, who while he hasn't had much success, he is a, you know, an established defensive coordinator who's had success running that uh, cover three Seattle offense or defense, excuse me. So um, I don't know. I think the Cowboys are going to be better than last year. And I think Zeke is going to have a comeback year. I know he's, he's got a lot of usage, but they gave him that big contract. He's still going to be a focal point of the offense. Um, he's, he's a deceptively good pass catcher. Um, and I think, you know, in years past, uh, I will say, okay, I'll say this. This pick, this ranking has more to do with how I feel about Alvin Kamara this year than Zeke. Um, and, okay. and Alvin Kamara's unknown quality in the offense. But um, to, to talk to me about Kamara. Yeah, so I do understand we we don't fully know how the offense is going to look. Presumably, Jameis Winston will be the starting quarterback. I can't see Taysom Hill taking that on full-time. But I still think Alvin Kamara is a focal point on this offense. Like, he's undoubtedly the most talented guy on their offense. You could argue Michael Thomas is. But aside from Michael Thomas, it's Alvin Kamara by a mile. So he's got to run the ball. Latavius Murray is like 30 years old. I think this year he'll be turning 30 years old this year. He's not going to get, he's not going to be taking away from Alvin Kamara's workload and they're going to scheme Alvin Kamara touches 15 to 20 times a game. Like, and he's explosive the way he shifts and moves and can just make people miss. I just love watching him play. And I did, did kind of struggle with ranking him at number four. I, you know, before this episode, I, I did shift him around a couple times, but ultimately I felt I want to rely on his talent. Like Alvin Kamara is just a phenomenal running back and pass catcher. So in a half PPR league, I'd be excited to to have him on my roster if I was picking at number four. So Alvin Kamara, um, I have him at five, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll just rebuttal Alvin Kamara there. Uh, 2017, 81 receptions, 18, 2018, 81 receptions, 2019, 81 receptions. Kind of funny there. Uh, 2020, yep. 83 receptions. Um, yep. So uh, what is the common denominator through all those years? It is Drew Brees, who was in the twilight of his career, throwing short yardage attempts to explosive playmakers that would get yards after the catch, um, like Michael Thomas. And 
Alvin Kamara, especially Alvin Kamara. Um, so yeah. much receiving yardage in the past few years. He was insane last year. So I think it's fair to have him over Zeke, but we uh, we just there's there's a there's a couple things that made me put him under Zeke, and one was uh, Taysom Hill. While while I do expect James to be the starting quarterback, I think that we're going to see a lot more Taysom Hill than we did when Drew Brees the quarter was the quarterback. I think Taysom Hill is going to be sniping even more, you know, rush attempts and rush attempts in the red zone, just because I think that Sean Payton, well, they're paying him a lot of money, one, and two, I think Sean Payton is going to feel that he has like the freedom to get even more experimental with the offense now that he has a, he doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback in the building. And he has these two assets, one who's an explosive playmaker in general and one in Jameis who is more of a explosive pass, uh, pass attack guy if he's not throwing to the wrong team. Um, yep. And we also don't know, like, you know, Jameis doesn't have a big history of making, um, you know, a running back successful in the way that Drew Brees does. And uh, Taysom Hill, That's Alvin fair. Kamara was like bottoming out when Taysom Hill was the quarterback last year. So that's just kind of my take on Alvin Kamara is that we don't know quite what, as you can see, my rankings are based a lot on uh, uncertainty at this point of the year and who I feel like yeah. more confident will have a greater role in the offense um, and who was experiencing a, a greater shift in their dynamic. Yeah, I can I can certainly agree with you on the uncertainty aspect. That's the reason I was kind of contemplating it in the first place. Otherwise, I think it'd be a lock for the four spot, maybe even three if you still had Drew Brees there over Derrick Henry in a half PPR league. But no, I'll accept all that, and uh, I mean we can move to yeah. Overall, he had a monster year last year, so I think it's totally justified. To yeah, him at three if you're a Camara guy. Yeah, I, I do love his skill set and. I think for half PPR league, you know, he won't disappoint you. At worst, he finishes maybe RB10 on the year. I can't see him falling beyond that. All right, six, you want to count us off? Uh, well, I didn't mention my top, my five pick. Oh, I'm sorry. I so, just assumed it was uh, Zeke. No. <laughs> <laughs> so my number five pick right now, kind of factoring into your basing my picks on certainty, Nick Chubb. Ooh, saucy Nick, pick. Nick Chubb, man. So he played, he missed four games last year. He played 12 games. He still rushed for over 1,000 yards. He had 190 attempts in those 12 games. So you can make, you know, the, the common counterpoint is, oh, they have Kareem Hunt on the roster. They split carries. Sure, they split carries. He had 62% of the snaps. So, yes, they're splitting. But he also put up RB one numbers with those snaps. He had 12 touchdowns. He had over a thousand yards in 12 games. Like he's a stud. He's vastly underrated. If I want certainty in the first round, Nick Chubb is among the best in uh, what I know I'm getting. He had over a five and a half yards per attempt. Like we know how the Browns offense runs. Like they want to drain the clock. They want to play on their defense. They want Baker Mayfield to make certain uh, efficient plays rather than trying to target Odell Beckham every single play. So I think Nick Chubb is, he probably won't end up as my running back five as the season starts, but for now he's, he's there right now. So 
I'm, I'm comfortable with that. If I had Nick Chubb as my RB1, I'd be very, very satisfied. You've really sold me on Nick Chubb. I mean, I owned Nick Chubb last year. I got him at what I thought was a bargain in an auction. No, I, I phrased that wrong. What I still think is a bargain in, in the auction league. Um, and I loved having him when he was healthy. Obviously, the injury kind of dampened yeah. the season a lot. But uh, I don't know. He was he was just a beast. And even with Kamara there, it didn't affect it. The, the, the Why I don't have him... Um, as high as you on my list is because this we're doing half PPR rankings. And I just think he has a, a slightly lower floor just because that he, he doesn't catch a lot of passes. I mean, he, he caught that's fair. Um, 36 uh, in 2019. That was career high. I know he only played in 12 games, but he caught 16 last year um, compared to Kareem hunt who caught, uh, uh, Kareem Hunt, who caught a different number of passes, which I will update you on. A larger number of passes. Uh, okay, yes. <laughs> Kareem Hunt caught 38 passes. Sorry, sorry, I was uh, having a little issue with my, my spreadsheet here. But, all right, yeah, so that's, that's uh, that, that, I think that's totally fair. Um, I wouldn't draft him there, but uh, who you got to, who's in your sixth spot? Uh, so we can go at the same time, I guess, unless you have Nick Chubb there. No, I don't. Okay. All right. Uh, number six, one, two, three. Saquon. Aaron Jones. Barkley. Okay. That's fair. So my Aaron Jones spot here is completely reliant on Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback right now. That could very well change given the off season. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is doing, whether he's staying with the Packers or not, but if he is with the Packers, I don't think they added a offensive threat of significance this draft so I feel very comfortable drafting Aaron Jones here at the sixth spot. He's criminally underrated. I think consensus right now, he's like 11. I think that's criminal, man. Like this dude is catching passes. He's getting 15 to 20 touches a game and he's massively efficient with them. Jamal Williams great. I don't know if you said that already. But. Yeah. Right. Jamal Williams is gone. Who was the guy taking away from his pass catching upside and AJ Dillon is now the complimentary back who is not a pass catcher. He is more of a bruiser through the middle. So Aaron Jones will have that upside on third downs. If they're trailing in any game, like we won't see Jamal Williams out there to, you know, stifle Aaron Jones production. So I don't understand why he's 11. I think he should at least be nine, eight, seven, man. I, I just think it's a shame. Like he's so talented. I love watching him play. And they design they design passes for him in the red zone. Like they're not they're using him very very well. So I, I love Aaron Jones. If Rodgers is the quarterback, it'll be a great offense, and he will be the number two right behind Devontae Adams on that offense. Yeah, I think that's a fair decision to make because Aaron Rodgers is the odds-on favorite to be the Packers quarterback next year. I mean, that's how Vegas has it. Vegas is not for now. Yeah, wrong. Um, I think you know I've bought into these situations too many times where I'm like, oh, this is nonsense. This, this isn't going to happen. This is just a bunch of nonsense. And then like the big thing does happen. So at, at this point, yeah, like, and Carson Wentz is a good example uh, of that recently. So um, yeah, and I have Aaron Jones at seven, so I won't really add on. I think you said everything uh, that's fair. And, you know, we haven't seen a lot out of uh, Dylan to make us confident. So um, yeah, I, I like Aaron Jones a lot. I have Saquon Barkley because I was just kind of making this ranking and I was like, you know, the, the Giants offensive line, I think has gotten better. I think, you know, we have, we need to see what Andrew Thomas does. 
Um, yeah, I think their offense has gotten better. What worries me a little bit about Saquon now as I talk about that is how they added Tony. And like, uh, you know, a big part of me at, uh, ranking Saquon here was that, you know, this is a guy that caught 91 passes in his, his rookie season. So if they're smart, like the, they will scheme up pass attempts for Saquon Barkley. But if they, right. they're like, oh, we need to use our first round pass attempt or first round, excuse me, first round draft pick in, in these situations where we want to run, want to run some slant routes or uh, some jet sweeps or something there, something that Saquon could normally have done, that that would worry me. But I still have him high because I was like, I can't let a running back that's this talented that we know is a generational talent running back slide any further down my list. And I think he will be hungry to return. I think an ACL injury is not that big a deal in today's modern NFL. Um, so I'm just very high on Saquon Barkley. Um, his... He's never been a very efficient runner, but that's been due mostly to the uh, offensive line issues. And I think this is probably the best offensive line that he's uh, played behind. I still think it'll be a below average offensive line, but he's a guy that can do a lot with nothing. Um, he was averaging 1.8 yards uh, uh, <laughs> per rush attempt yeah. last year. Before he got injured. Yeah. Before he got injured. So there's reason to be down on him, but um, I don't know. It really depends on whether you're in on the Giants or not. And I think the Giants, while well, I, I think Daniel Jones is probably not the quarterback of the future there, um, I think he's just like – it's like very similar to the Mitchell Trubisky situation. He's just like a smidge better than Trubisky in my opinion. But I think this mm-hmm. will be the year that like he does have an above-average season, but he throws like, I don't know, 22 touchdowns and like 17 interceptions. And they're like, yeah, this isn't the guy. <laughs> um, so – uh, I don't know. I think it'll be enough for Saquon to produce, and that's why I have him above Aaron Jones. Um, also, just the uncertainty of um, the Aaron Rodgers situation. Yeah, so I do have Saquon as my number seven, so I agree with a lot of what you said, but kind of my point about Aaron Jones, how they didn't add any real offensive weapons there, I think that's probably why I ranked Saquon one spot behind Aaron Jones because they did spend high capital on uh, Kadarius Tony. I do think he will have maybe even 20 rushing attempts on the season. Like they're going to scheme him the ball, whether it's in motion or, uh, you know, motion to the backfield and then take a handoff. Like they're going to mix it up there. I think they wouldn't draft him so highly if they're not going to use him. And he's a phenomenal guy in motion and out of the backfield. So uh, for that reason, I think Saquon is, a touch behind Aaron Jones, but obviously if Rodgers does not play in Green Bay, Saquon would immediately take that spot ahead of Aaron Jones. So so we kind of flip-flopped there, six and seven. I had Aaron Jones at six, Saquon at seven. You had Aaron Jones at seven and Saquon at six. I think that's pretty fair. So yeah. we can probably jump to the eight pick there. And at eight, I will just say I have Nick Chubb, and I think you've pretty much covered Nick Chubb. Um, what I'll okay. say about him is the only reason I have him below, and I, I kind of said this earlier, is just because this is uh, he doesn't catch Pass all the passes, and we, we are kind yeah. of going for the half PPR thing because um, that's kind of, I think, becoming the new standard. Um, and it's probably the best way I think it balances out, you know, the uh, point distribution the best way. All right, so uh, who do you have at eight? So I think you'll like this this uh, selection here. We've already talked about one FSU native. I've got Cam Akers at number eight, a little higher than consensus. I, I think he's like 17 in consensus. Uh, consensus sorry, but uh, man, 
I think what we saw last uh, four to six games of the season, Sean McVay is salivating over that. He realizes Cam Akers is by and large the best pass catcher, best rusher out of the backfield. They got rid of Malcolm Brown. Sure, they have Darrell Henderson. He's not doing a damn thing in that backfield. He is going to be, I mean, we've got Matthew Stafford as a quarterback now who hopefully will open up the passing game a bit more for the running backs to succeed, you know. They've had a phenomenal RPO under Sean McVay in the past. I think he knows Cam Akers in the second year. He's fresh. He's young. He's a stud. I think they saw a lot of what they wanted to see out of him by drafting him. And I would hate to miss out on Cam Akers. That's why I've got him this high because, I mean, if if I had to pick like one player who I believe way higher in consensus, it's Cam Akers this year. Like, yeah, I was just about when, to say when I was so good. Yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. I said it a lot, yeah. Well, I was just going to say this smacks of, like, you wanting to have Cam Akers on your team more than, than him being worth, like, the eighth-ranked running back. Um, I hmm. love Cam Akers as a, as a FSU alumnus, alumni, whatever. Uh, I watched that <laughs> man, like, fail to be taken down by so many tackles because his center of balance is absurd. Oh, yeah. Like, that's why he gains so many yards. It's not because he's like a big, powerful guy or a bruiser. He's elusive and he breaks tackles because he just has like a very low center of gravity and he just can't be tipped over. It's incredible. Um, he's just like a spinning top out there. I don't have Cam Akers nearly as high as you for the reasons that, uh, you know, it's a new quarterback. Um, I love Matt Stafford. I think he's better than Goff, but I also think that Matt Stafford is the kind of guy that throws deep and intermediate over taking the check down nine times out of 10, where Jared Goff is kind of the exact opposite of that. We never really saw Matt Stafford support a running back in that way, except theoretic was, was viable. And, you know, so that's kind of a situation where if Cam Akers is like a theoretic that can run between the tackles, which he can, then, you know, this hits for sure. Um, But if it's, and I also am higher on Darrell Henderson than you are. I think Darrell Henderson's pretty explosive. I think he's a good pass catcher. And I think it'll be more of a committee approach uh, than, than you, you might suggest. I also see Tutu Atwell, um, you know, a guy who they invested the first pick that they had. I can't remember if it was in the second or third round. Second round. Second, second round. round. Jesus Christ. Um, and yeah. Tutu, yeah. Tutu Atwell is a uh, – is is the, the guy they invested in. So, you know, it's a similar situation to Kadarius Tony, where we could see him trying to take a lot of those, uh, you know, typical running back catching snaps. Um, so that's why I don't have Cam Akers yeah. kind of side, but I do love Cam Akers. Yeah, that's a fair take. He could fall a couple spots down my rankings, but I don't think he'll fall very far. I'd, I'd be pretty certain to rank him top 12 by the time the season starts. So. Okay, number nine. Let's say let's let's go for this one at the at the same time. Uh, All right, let's do it. One, two, three, Antonio Jonathan Taylor. Gibson. Oh right, you're high on Antonio Gibson. I love Antonio Gibson. So Antonio Gibson uh, is another similar to Darrell Henderson, another one of these do-it-all Memphis running backs. Although in his last year. He actually was kept mostly at wide receiver because Kenny Gainwell was so good at running back that uh, they didn't feel the need to use Antonio Gibson in the running back position. Just a little tip for all you dynasty drafters out there, Kenny Gainwell. All right, Antonio Gibson. Um, he's a running or a wide receiver converts running back who 
first on the scene last year in uh, an offense that was god awful. You know, like the fact that Antonio Gibson was so viable in an offense that was like run by the Motley crew of uh, uh, Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke and. I think Dwayne Dwayne Haskins played a couple of games too, right? Like uh, or, or, did. I, I think yeah. two or three. Yeah, yeah. So so um, this is a guy that uh, gained uh, eight hundred yards on the ground at, at about five yards in a clip, um, and caught thirty six receptions. I think they'll figure out how to work him in even more as a receiver this year. Although there is the JD McKissick threat, and I think there's an attempt that his uh, conversion to uh, running back will improve in his second year playing the position full-time. Um, and obviously the, the most important thing here is that I'm a big believer in Ryan Fitzpatrick's ability to just fucking go for it. I mean, this is a, this is a guy that will never give up on a play. He will do whatever he can to get the ball to a playmaker or try and get convert the first down himself. I watched a 38 year old man put his body on the line Every single game last year that he played for the Dolphins, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's going to bring so much juice to an already competent Washington team. And, you know, one of the most underrated uh, aspects in drafting running backs is, is that running back on a team with a good defense that can clamp down uh, on, on an opposing offense. And, you know, they use that running back to run out the clock. And the uh, Washington football team defense is an ascending, ascending defense that uh, figures to be a top half of the league defense this year. Um, is it one of the reasons that they could contend for the top position in the NFC East? And so I am high on Antonio Gibson. He excites me. I also love, as we've said in, in former podcasts, sophomore year players. That's when shit starts to make sense to them. And uh, I'm just I'm just big on players that had exciting first years and are don't have a lot of uh, wear and tear and are going into their second year in the league. And uh, yeah, I just I just like uh, I just like what I see there. And yeah, that does make that does make sense to me. I'll get into it when I mention Antonio Gibson farther down the list. But uh, yeah, I, I can certainly see a case to be made there. I think there'll be two camps: one who thinks he takes that next step, and one who thinks he doesn't. So, you know, if you're a guy who thinks he does take that next step, you'll be getting him in your drafts more likely than not because he'll probably be top fifteen on pretty much everyone's board. But um, so that was pick number nine. I had Jonathan Taylor. So I'm not super high on Jonathan Taylor as like a commodity in himself. I think his talent is there, but he's got a lot of mileage from college. He was one of the most worked rookies to enter the draft last year. But I do think that the Colts will rely on him a lot. I mean, they still have Naheem Hines and uh, Jordan Wilkins. So we saw a lot of split carries and split pass attempts between them um, last season. And Philip Rivers was the quarterback, so he does do a lot of checkdowns. So I think Jonathan Taylor's pass catching will regress a bit. I don't think he's going to hit that mark he did last year. I think consensus right now, he's uh, six or so in running back. I think that's a little high. I, I don't, I won't feel yeah, comfortable Jonathan drafting Taylor, him there. I mean, yeah, we've talked it's getting about too Jonathan far. Taylor before. Like, I think when Jacob was yeah. on, we talked about Jonathan Taylor. He was on our do not draft list. So I think that. Says mm -hmm. how we feel now. Like you're probably saying, well, he's he's ranked in your top ten, but he's on your do not draft list. Like, yeah, they're positive to Jonathan Taylor. He's he's going to get a lot of usage. There are just a lot of more things to be worried about 
than your typical running back. I have him ranked at 11, uh, spoiler alert, but I think that's close enough to nine that I can say it. And yeah, it's just yeah. a situation where like, you know, the guy that is being drafted at sixth overall, if you're sitting at 11, yeah, you're going to take that guy because, you know, yeah, the expert community. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, yeah. you, you can't let this guy slide down your board. There are just some concerns that like, he's not a guy that, like I wouldn't take him and be super excited. Like, you know, if I had Cam Akers, I'd be super excited. If I got Antonio Gibson, I'd be really excited. If I got Jonathan Taylor, I would be cautiously optimistic. Um, and it's just yeah. like, you know, there are more red flags in that situation. All right, who you got at, at, at 10? You want to hit this one at the same time? Sure. All right. One, two, three. Miles. Ezekiel Sorry. Elliott. <laughs> I was wondering when Zeke was going to show up. Yeah, it's been a while, right? So you had him, I think, at five, right? When I had Nick Chubb at five? I have him at four, right? actually, right above uh, Kamara. Oh, shit. I think it's like a, you know, a give and take. I just think this is a guy that has been a top four running back most of the years he's been in the league. So, you know, I'm not going to let one down year, uh, you know, throw sure. uh, off this guy. Yeah, the way I looked at it is he has regressed since he entered the league, even when Dak was playing a full season in 2019. He did worse than he did in 2018. Not to say he's a bad running back, not to say he's a bad pass catcher or offensive weapon or NFL talent. He's, you know, he's top tier, but I don't think that they need him as much as they did in 2019. Like they have so many offensive weapons, like even to the tight end, like they can just throw to the tight end because they have three decent pass catchers and they have Dak Prescott, phenomenal young quarterback. So I don't think they will lean on him as much. And also Tony Pollard has kind of shown himself to be a talent in himself. I don't think he'll get enough of a workload to really slander Ezekiel Elliott's draft stock, but I do think he'll chip in a bit more than we saw last year because he's shown when he was given opportunities. And Zeke just honestly the eye test was it for me. Like I didn't see the same Zeke I saw a year or two ago. I saw a guy who was just running straight into the guy in front of him and was not elusive, was not making a cut to make anyone miss. So I think it's more emotional that I have him this far down the list, but I wouldn't be surprised if he finished below running back 10 also. That's fair. Um, yeah, we, we kind of talked about this when we were talking about how we were taking the approach of would I draft this player over this player? I would definitely not draft like a Jonathan Taylor over Zeke. Um, but, you know, given my disposition, like if I was at four, I mean, he's my fourth ranked running back. Like I would trade out of the pick, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and we're, we're yeah. going to introduce pick trading this year and that'll be, that'll be a whole situation. Oh, hell yeah, dude. That's breaking news. So, yeah. PJPL listeners, all one of you, get in here. This is so, exciting news. So here's gonna here's how it's going to work if uh, <laughs> anyone in the PJPL is listening. We're only trading players in this year's draft, so no mortgaging for future capital in a redraft league, but we are going to allow That's pick smart. trading um, in within the draft. So make sure, you know, just don't be an idiot. Um, is all I'm just pick that. for pick, right? Like if I have the six and I want the nine, we can swap that is what you're saying? Just well, pick no, for pick? No, position. you would have to like throw in like the like your fourth round pick probably there or your third round pick or something like that. Probably your fourth okay. at that point. Uh, maybe your fifth. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. We can get into that. I love the the creativeness that will ensue. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, I've always you, wanted to have a pick trading league. 
if, and it, it's very viable in fantasy. It's a little different to have it in redraft, but I think it'll be fun because, you know, like that kind of solves the issue to me of like we're doing the snake draft instead of the auction draft because it's traditional and it's fun. But this way, if you mm-hmm. want the number three pick, you can offer a package to get that pick and get the player that you want to target there. So I think it, it's, you know, that way, you know, you're more, it, it, I think it's a more fair way to do it actually. Yeah, I love that take. I'm super excited. This is the first time hearing it live on the podcast, The Fantasy Bible. You can find us at The Fantasy Bible <laughs> Pod, Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> nice plug. All right, oh, so man. can I talk about Miles Sanders? Dude, please. Wait, whoa, was he your number 10? Oh, yeah, yeah he yeah, was. Yeah. All right, but he's far down the list for me, man. Let's hear it. Make your okay. case. Okay, so um, the Eagles offensive line, which, as we know, is crucial to the the, the running back performance, was a mess last year. And it wasn't a mess in performance, but it was a mess in the fact that they had so many different configurations that they weren't able to truly execute, you know, an offensive line running scheme. It was more about, can we hold this line together? Can we run? They had to limit the playbook. um, And they had to just try to hold up and pass protection for a quarterback that was playing like a scared deer. So Miles Sanders was an ascendant player. He was probably ranked higher than 10 or at least around 10 for most people coming into the draft last year. He had a down season in a situation where he had terrible quarterback play, a stale offensive scheme and bad offensive line play in in terms of running game execution. Um, I think, and not to mention a play color that preferred passing over running. Now, now we have Nick Sirianni running this offense. Not only do we have Nick Sirianni running this offense, we have Stain Steichen as the offensive coordinator coming from the Chargers, Chargers of Austin Eckler fame. So um, we yes. have two, two offensive minds that are central to uh, the offensive scheme here who are coming from situations where they prioritized running backs and they prioritized pass-catching running backs. So I believe that Miles Sanders is going to play a lead back role. Now you mentioned Kenny Gainwell and you mentioned yes. uh, Jordan Howard and you mentioned carry on Johnson. So they can't keep more than three or four running backs heading into the league. So Miles Sanders is going to be the lead back. He's going to be the first down, the second down back. And there's going to be situations where he runs routes and pass, pass catches, catches passes. Um, <laughs> you did it. You did it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, dude. Pass catches. It's he catches pass. passes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, all right. That kind of, that threw me off my rhythm. That derailed you pretty good, right? <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, so Miles Sanders, you know, he he catches passes, he catches deep routes, um, and he also can run between the tackles. I think that uh, Kenny Gainwell, who's a rookie, we don't know how he's going to convert, and Boston Scott are going to be competing for that Naheem Hines role, um, that kind of scat back situation, the Darren Sproles of yesteryear, and then carry on. Johnson and Jordan Howard are both kind of your bruising goal line running backs, your short yardage situation running backs. And there's, I can guarantee you that there is no way that carry on Johnson and Jordan Howard are both on the roster by the time that uh, the, the regular season starts. Those guys are competing for the same role. Uh, I think they'll keep okay. Boston Scott because he's, you know, he's, he costs absolutely nothing. He's been good for them in the past. And obviously Kenny Gainwell's a rookie. If I had to predict it, I think it would be, I think Jordan Howard is probably going to beat out carry on Johnson just because carry on Johnson's a bit more expensive. And as you said, he, he hasn't shown much at all 
um, since his injury, but he is an incredible pass protector. And so he is probably going to come in on some passing downs if he makes the, the team as a pass protector. I don't know. I just think a lot is being made of the crowded running back room, but this is a situation where Miles Sanders is still going to be the lead back. I think we have a fully af- healthy offensive line in Philly, an offensive line that's been ranked in the top five um, in, in pretty much every year, except last year in the past five years. And, uh, you know, they may also added to the offensive line of Landon Dickerson, who projects as a day one starter on guard in guard or the center position, probably guard, given that Jason Kelsey will hold down the center position. But he also makes that offensive line more injury resistant because he can come in and play at a hot, a lot higher value than a guy like Nate Herbig or Matt Pryor. So I am high on Miles Sanders this year. I think I was high on Miles Sanders last year and he didn't quite perform expectations, but I think that was more. He did not. Carson one situation. Um, and Probably. I, uh, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I can understand a Philly homer being high on Miles Sanders and a case can be made for him. I just think the writing is on the wall as far as his workload. I, th- I don't think he will achieve the same workload he did last year. And even then he wasn't, you know, as productive as he should have been given Carson Wentz, you know, not being able to hit a screen or a, dump off like he should have been yeah, but throwing at the ground thrown over his head i mean it's terrible yeah but uh, yeah but at the same time jalen hurts does also not have the utmost pass accuracy in the league so jalen hurts the player that has improved every every year that he has been a player in the college situation you okay. know, he's an ascended player it's true, man. if if uh <laughs> if philly wasn't such a uh circus right now you know and if, it, if carson once wasn't a factor and, uh, you know, we, like we had drafted Jalen Hurts at second overall for some reason. Um, I, I still don't understand why they did that. Um, but let's say there's a situation where Carson Wentz doesn't exist. I think we'd be talking about a player that had kind of an exciting, like, rookie season. You know, like there are players that were given much longer chances than Jalen Hurts that did not play nearly to the level of Jalen Hurts in certain situations last year. Yeah, and I think that's – almost solely due to his rushing ability, which does not help Miles Sanders. And I think they would not have spent such high draft capital on Kenneth Gainwell unless they were planning on using him this year. So I, I just, well, uh, was he actually? Yeah, yeah. He was I didn't know. he. Pick. I didn't remember he fell that far. All right. Yeah, he so, fell incredibly far, yeah, because he opted out. Okay. All right. So I'll concede that point. But I, I do think they won't, you know, they won't use Miles Sanders as much as we had hoped last year because he did have a phenomenal second half of a rookie season. And then things kind of didn't work out with Carson Wentz. You know, you can, you can blame that on whatever you want, the offensive scheme, the head coach, Carson Wentz, whatever, but it just didn't seem to pan out for Miles Sanders. So I don't know. I just don't think the Philadelphia Eagles will be like a great team this year. And sorry to, you know, disparage your team, but I I just don't think it's going to pan out very, very much. So yeah, I'm a little lower, quite a bit lower than you on Miles Sanders. So that's okay. We'll, we'll get into discussion. That's what this podcast is all about. All right. Well, I'll go. I'll, uh, I'll just wait. Who did you have at 10 again? I had Zeke. So, I mean, it was kind of Zeke case. Yeah. Yeah, I, I pretty much made my case there. So we're at, and 11, then, so we're at 11. Yeah, well, at 11 and 12, I have Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. And I think we've kind of covered those players. And why I have Jonathan Taylor so low is more of, you know, I've made the case he's not on my do not draft list, the usage, the Carson Wentz of it all. 
um, that situation. Cam Akers uh, in a bit of a committee, a bit of uncertainty, although I am pretty high on Cam Akers. Um, so that, that's kind of my summary on those picks. But I'll let you, um, you know, tell us who you got because they may be players we haven't talked about yet. Yes, they are. So at 11, I have Austin Eckler of the Los Angeles Chargers. I think they were hurting when he was injured. I think they didn't really realize what their offense could do until more than halfway into the season. Anthony Lynn was not a receptive head coach to, uh, oh man, uh, their quarterback. Justin Herbert. (laughs) Justin Herbert. Yeah. Justin Sherbert. Fame. (laughs) Exactly. I don't think he was receptive to having Justin Herbert as their quarterback right away. So he just didn't really, I don't know, he didn't buy in as a head coach, which is why he's not there anymore. And Justin Herbert is going to have maybe not as good as a rookie season, but very close, I believe. And Austin Eckler is going to keep that offense moving. He catches so many passes out of the backfield. We're in half PPR rankings right now. I don't I don't think you can say he's a not not a top 12 running back like in this half PPR class like he, he caught man I think he caught like 80 passes uh okay so 54 receptions in the only 10 games he played 5.4 receptions a game is top tier for running backs there's nobody else who does that so I just think he's going to be fully healthy this season he had plenty of time to rest his injury and I, I like his talent. I don't think they have anyone on the roster who can challenge him for the top running back talent. They're going to scheme him in a lot of plays. Justin Herbert is going to throw deep like he does, but that opens up the short and intermediate routes for Austin Eckler, whether it's a wheel route, screen, you know, delayed pass up, pass brush, uh, sorry, delayed pass protection, but, you know, run up the middle. So I think Austin Eckler is a sneaky pick here for top 12 running back that – I don't understand why everyone's not super high on him because I love him. So uh, the only reason I have Osnacker a little lower than you is the uh, Chargers defensive line situation. I think it's about to get a lot better because they landed Rashawn Slater in the draft, um, but it wasn't great last year. They also have a new offensive coordinator. Shane Steichen's not there anymore. Nick Sirianni obviously isn't there anymore. Um, so uh, Joe Lombardi is uh, not – a guy that Saints fans speak highly of, but he's coming from a team where obviously they were able to integrate a pass catching running back pretty well. So, uh, you know, spoiler alert here, I have Austin Eckler at 13. So I, I think we're pretty much around the same. I mean, that's a two spot variant. Okay. I think we probably assess him pretty yeah. similar, similarly, especially since my other guys are uh, Jonathan Taylor and Cam Makers, who are two guys you've, you've mentioned. So. I do have them as same as you above Eckler. I just have them a little lower. Okay. So we could probably move to the number 12 pick then. We've gone through our 10 and 11. I was uh, Zika 10. 11 is Austin Eckler. Who would you have? Uh, For 11 or for 12? Yeah. Uh, For 11, uh, 10 10 or 11. Oh, 10, I had Miles Sanders. 11, I had Jonathan Taylor. And 12, I have Cam Akers. Okay, so 12, I have Joe Mixon. So there's uh, a lot of doubt among anyone who's ever owned Joe Mixon. You know, he hasn't really lived up to what everyone says he could be. Zach Taylor is a psychopath. We've been through that on our previous podcast. (laughs) Didn't rule him out on the IR despite being benched for eight weeks straight. Joe Mixon, though, they've, 
you know, the rhetoric out of the Bengals camp is that he's going to be a three down pass or three down back. There's no reason they should take him off the field is what they say. And I believe in the talent of Joe Mixon. I don't know how much I believe in their coaching staff, but I do believe that it's going to be a high octane offense. I believe they don't have a good running, uh, sorry, a good defense to sustain a running game. So I think Joe Mixon is going to be used a lot as a pass catcher out of the backfield when, I mean, they do have good pass catchers now. Jamar Chase, they have uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins catching passes there, but I almost said passing catches there. Ah, (laughs) You're infecting me, dude. But yeah, I think Joe Mixon, I mean, the games he's healthy, he does well. Not not top tier, but I think he will get a workload sufficient of an RB1. That's why I have him as RB12 here. Yeah, Joe Mixon, I owned Joe Mixon last year, hated it. But Joe Mixon, no, yeah. no, like Gio Bernard's gone, so that, that passing aspect is no longer an issue. Um, yeah. And like you said, there were, like when we talk about opportunity, he's a guy similar to Zeke and Derrick Henry, where he's going to be a focal point of the offense. And he, they've, they, you know, they've signed him to a long-term contract. They're planning on using him a lot. And you can't just let guys with that much opportunity slide that much further down the field. And, you know, we've talked about it mm-hmm. like a million times, maybe that this is his year. Well, maybe this is finally the year that he shows that he's like a truly an elite player. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty like, you, it's funny, like you, you're just like a little higher on guys than I am. And it's like, uh, I guess a few people that I've put in have pushed guys down, but I have Joe Mixon at 14. So I have him basically again, like right after Austin Eckler. Okay. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I like Mixon. Um, he, I would, I, he's like a situation where if I'm at the turn, I'm very happy to come away with like Austin Eckler and, and Joe Mixon or, or a, a situation like that as, as my running yeah. core. All right. So that's, uh, that's our top. We, I mean, I know I talked about my 13th and 14th, but that's our top 12. We're going to take a, a quick break and we will be back with the rest of our list. Greetings, potential podcast advertiser. If you're looking to connect with a mostly male demographic ranging from ages 18 to 45, look no further than the fantasy Bible podcast. Let our sonorous tones take your product to the next level. If you're interested in getting in on the ground floor of the future of fantasy podcasting, contact us at fantasybiblepod at gmail.com. You will not regret it. And we're back. Welcome to the Fantasy Bible. This is our running back ranking episode. I will run through my top 12 real quick. Dan will run through his top 12 real quick, and then we'll get to the rest of our lists. Uh, So I have Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, and Cam Akers. My top 12 are Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, Cam Akers at eight, Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, and Joe Mixon at 12. I think it's funny that Derrick Henry is the only player that we agreed on. So Derrick Henry is the official running back of uh, the fantasy Bible. <laughs> the right. fantasy Bible. So Dane has mentioned Austin Eckler, and Dane has mentioned Joe Mixon, and that is my 13th spot and my 14th spot. So, Dane, I'll let you share your 13th guy because I'm sure it's someone we haven't talked about yet. 
It's J.K. Dobbins running back, second year running back for the Baltimore Ravens. I think their scheme is very conducive to a running back succeeding. They don't know whether it's uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, the RPO, the run pass option. They don't know whether he's keeping the ball or handing it off. And for that reason, J.K. Dobbins has averaged six rushing yards per attempt. That is unheard of. That's top of the league for running backs. So as many touches as he gets, he's getting five to six yards a game. And he will split work with Gus Edwards, and he will lose some touches to Lamar Jackson himself. But for that same reason, it gives him the utmost efficiency in this offense. He is their top running back uh, above Gus Edwards. But I think I'm so comfortable taking him as my RB2. Like He's ranked 13 for me because I don't want him as my RB1 necessarily. But Oh man, if I can get him as my RB two, I'm I am just gleeful, man. Yeah, I will say I'm very glad that I was high on uh, uh, higher than Saquon on you, and higher than Zeke on you, and higher than Gibson and Sanders because, like, other than that, you're you're just taking the guys that are like going down my list half of this. Because after mm-hmm. Austin Eckler and Joe Mixon, I have J.K. Dobbins. I do really like J.K. Dobbins. Um, you know, the the threats are as. Uh, are what Dane already mentioned the you know the running quarterback and all that but we this is a uh, a team that has uh you know Greg Roman is an a, a excellent run game coordinator but I think they've also committed a little bit to running trying to run a little bit more of a traditional downfield passing attack um this year with uh with uh, the additions of Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace in the draft, um, who can who can mm-hmm. open up like the intermediary more than the tight ends that they currently have running, all that middle of the field stuff can. So uh, yeah, and while that sounds like not conducive to their own game, I think that's ultimately conducive to a more balanced running attack and a more balanced approach where Lamar Jackson is used a bit more purposefully instead of like a break glass in, in case of play breakdown situation um <laughs> and so yeah i like jk Dobbins playing more of like a traditional rb1 lead role in that draft he was he looked really good last year apparently the eagles were considering drafting jk dobbins at 53 in 2019 over uh or in 2020 excuse me over uh jalen hurts and i really wish they did because he looks like he's gonna be a great player um but yeah uh, so he's my he's in my 15th spot so um that'll be another one that you'll take the lead on because yeah that's, that's uh, we've covered a lot of these players already so who you got at 14 so who did you have at 14 just to recap i had joe mixon okay so i had joe mixon at 12 jacob dobbins at 13 and for 14 i have a second year running back on a high octane offense who some people would say it was a bust the first year. I think you're not looking at it with the right lens because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is my running back 14. He's on probably the highest octane offense in the league. You could argue maybe it's the Bucks now, sure. But he is the unquestioned RB1 there. He's only going to get better in his second year. And honestly, he did not have a bad first year. A lot of people make a case against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he was a little overhyped last season. I say a little. He was probably eight spots overhyped in ADP last year, but he was still a reliable back. He got uh, 
181 pass attempts. He had averaged 4.4 yards per carry, which is not stud level, but given it's his first year and they had some injuries to the offensive line halfway through the season, I think we can see Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes relying on him a lot more in their offensive scheme. Um, And we know this offense is moving down the field. He's going to have opportunities for touchdowns. He did not score a lot of touchdowns uh, last year. He only had four, which will go up. Like if he scores less than four, I will just quit the podcast. You know, I'll sell it to China, like whatever I have to do. Like, I mean, he's going to have way more than four touchdowns this year. I think seven or more. So I think Clyde Edwards Lair at 14, I'm comfortable with that because I want a running back on a good offense. And yes, Patrick Mahomes is a pass first quarterback and as he should be, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire is their RB one. They drafted him to be that Patrick Mahomes spoke out about him wanting Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the team and they're going to use him even better in his second year. So uh, if the trend continues as Clyde Edwards Hilaire is after JK Dobbins, my 16th ranked, running back so he is the next guy that we haven't talked about yet on my list at 16. My reservations about Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, are one that we talk about the eye test for me the stats look all right on paper he did not pass the eye test for me he did not look like an explosive player when I when I watched him play football but uh, the reason I have him at 16 which is not that lower than you have him is because everything you talked about, the opportunity, the history of Andy yeah. Reid making running backs that remember Charkandrick West, remember Spencer Ware? Those guys were fancy yeah. relevant and they are not really in the league anymore because of Andy yeah. Reid's ability to turn not great talent into great talent. Now, there is kind of an LSU thing where like these these 2019 LSU guys, like so Jacoby Stevens, who the uh, Eagles drafted in the sixth round, was mocked as a first-round pick if he had come out in, like, 2019, if that had been a possibility. So it's almost like the the overall elevation of LSU might have, like, boosted the, the quality of some of these guys. Um, just how, you know, just having Joe Burrow at the helm and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and all those guys. And so it's like maybe we're higher on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire than we should be. I don't know. Um He's not someone that I'm targeting in this in in this draft. Like, you know, you never know who's going to end up on your team, but he's not someone that I'm like going to reach for in any situation. Um, but as you said, there's like no one really else on the team to do it. So, um, yeah, that's that's my kind of Tiller bit. Who who do you have at uh, after that at fifteen? So I teased it, I think, last episode or the episode before. Can't really remember. Uh, but I have Najee Harris, Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, first round draft pick, first running back on the depth chart here. They don't have an offensive line as it used to be in Steelers uh, roster right now. But I do think that Najee Harris has enough talent to overcome that. I do think they need him to be good for that offense to work. And for that reason, he's going to get opportunity. He's going to get 15 plus touches a game. And I think he's talented enough to turn those 15 touches plus into a top 15 running back. So I think his floor is like RB20 and his upside is maybe RB8, like if everything succeeds for him. So right in the middle there, I think RB15 is where I want Najee Harris right now, which is, I think, 
a couple picks higher than consensus right now, but I just see the opportunity and I get a little excited. Maybe I'll come down on that by the time the season starts, but I think he has the opportunity to be just a bell cow. Yeah, you are higher than on Najee Harris than I am. I think I've talked to Ed Nauseam about the Steelers' offensive line situation and the fact that yeah. Kendrick Green is the only solution they added to it. Not to mention, uh, you know, through Digger Deeping, I found that the Kendrick Green is kind of more suited towards a, uh, a like a, a gap blocking and a zone blocking uh, offensive line scheme, whereas the rest of the guys that they have on the line are like hog mollies that are kind of more fit for a power man blocking offensive line scheme. Um, and so it's kind of interesting that the one kind of major solution that they added was uh, not even like a great fit for their scheme. So that's just another factor on why I'm not really super high on Najee Harris. Uh, you can listen to the past podcast to hear me talk more about the 31st ranked or 32nd ranked run blocking offensive line in the league. Um, but yeah, so I'm not as high on Najee Harris. And and there's the fact that he's a rookie. And while rookie running back seems to be like the easiest transition, there's still struggles there. So uh, yeah, I'm yes. not nearly as high on Najee Harris. Um, but there's obviously reasons to be excited about him as well. So you said 15 was J.K. Dobbins for you. Was that right? Yes, I, I like J.K. Dobbins. And 16 is Clyde Edwards-Hiller for me. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I think 16 is also a fair spot for Clyde. I'm a little higher than consensus there on him, just just based on the Chiefs offense. They will have so many more scoring opportunities than most offenses in the league. So, Which, by the way, uh, first, also, real quick, I've just seen Najee Harris as high as like 10 and 11 on some people's lists, and I think that's... Yeah, I think that's a little too overzealous, but, you know, if you want to call your shot and be a savant in your league, and if, if he pans out, I mean, take your shot, I guess, but no, I, I would be much more comfortable having him as my RP2. If I'm at the turn, I, I don't even think I would take him at the turn. There are you know, a lot of I'm, people I could see being high, that high on him in our league that would take him at the turn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year. Exactly. He got so much high leading. Exact same yeah. situation, yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, because they don't – Pittsburgh does not have a running back that will challenge yeah, uh, Najee Harris. Yeah, and Anthony McFarland. And we saw nothing productive out of them last year, which is why they abandoned the run. And, and it Sanders. was Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who the fuck know that guy he's is. He's like – he was cool because you could play him at I think guys. so. Yeah, so yeah, like a dual yeah, designation uh, in a couple, uh, couple types of platforms. All right, yeah, all right. they just couldn't run them all. So we're at pick sixteen now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. All right, you haven't I, mentioned your guy yet. No, I had Clyde Edwards Slayer. Okay, so I have Chris Carson. God damn it, I have Chris Carson at seventeen. <laughs> so okay, I, so I we can we kind of hit this one at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's not to love about Chris Carson? I, you know, you know, he's the lead running back there. They cover Sean Penny, so that's like no longer a thing, even though he was barely a factor anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's an offense that you know can't decide whether they want to let Russ Hooker be a run first offense. I know Pete Carroll prefers run first. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Chris Carson? Yeah, he's a known commodity. I know he's going to be a solid RB2 for my team. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he, he's getting the first and second down reps, and if, even if he doesn't get the third down reps, he's getting the goal line reps. He's getting short yardage reps. He's going to be on the field, and I just love watching him run. Like, 
he's a bruiser. He just does not care about his body. He, which, you know, gives a little bit of weight to injury. So that's probably the biggest knock on him. People would like to say, oh, Chris Carson's injury prone. I, I don't quite see it that way. I see it as he's willing to get those extra yards for your fantasy team when he's healthy and when he's not, okay. You don't and he play catches him. Passes. He, he catches around 30 yeah. passes or a year. Not, not yeah, he catches, you know, far yeah, yeah, far more passes than somebody like Derrick Henry, who we have all the way up at three. So he has that upside if Seattle is clicking on all cylinders, like firing on all cylinders is the traditional term there. But uh <laughs> but yeah, Chris Carson, I, he's somebody I've always been high on just by the eye test. Like I love the way he runs. He's a he's a mean runner, he runs downhill, he'll put a shoulder down and truck you to get an extra two yards, even if it means he's got to sit out two weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got that like undrafted free agent. I'm gonna leave it all on the field attitude. Oh yeah. Um and he kind of really did came out of nowhere, uh come out of nowhere, excuse me. And, yeah, no, I like I like Chris Carson a lot. He's no commodity, and I've seen him disrespected so much in rankings, yeah. especially in like the early to mid twenties. And I'm like, come on, like this is a guy. As Dane said, you know he's going to be a reliable running back too for you. So yeah, uh, I would take like uh, Chris Carson mid second round every day. Yeah, right now he's ECR expert consensus rating. That stands for he's ECR twenty. And I have him at 16. Like, I would be so glad to have Chris Carson so as my we're RB2. both a little higher. Yeah. Carson, yeah. All right, who do you got at and for 17? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, 17. Antonio Gibson did fall to me here at 17, just because I don't quite trust the, uh, the coaching staff for the Washington uh, football team. I don't quite trust them to use him more in the passing game because J.D. McKissick did have over 80 receptions last year. That is one of the highest marks in the league for pass catching running backs. Like they're using this guy, JD McKissick so much. Yeah. But JD McKissick is a person like there's like, he could go out at any day. He's, he's the definition of a small injury from running back. Well, sure. But he didn't. And then they consistently used him. You know what I mean? Like, like, but they also had a running, they also had quarterbacks that needed to check down. Like they had Alex Smith and they had Taylor Heineke. They didn't have Ryan yes. Fitzpatrick, you know, who doesn't need to rely on the check down. And, and Antonio Gibson can run more than check down routes. That's his value. I agree. But I also think since they didn't scheme Antonio Gibson into any other routes than mostly check down routes, I don't think Fitzpatrick is somebody who's prone to throwing to the running back. And I also don't think that the coaching staff is prone to throwing to the running back or making their uh, position players dual threats like they drafted Curtis Samuel or sorry they acquired Curtis Samuel in the offseason so do I trust that they will use Curtis Samuel as a dual threat and Antonio Gibson as a dual threat no I do not I don't I don't think it works for both of them it works if you want to take a shot and say yeah they'll do it for Antonio Gibson then go for it but for me I just don't think he's a sure thing um I'm probably low on him. I think he'll rise up a bit on my board uh, as the season approaches. But for now, I just don't feel comfortable drafting him. It's interesting. This is probably our biggest disparity because I, so far at least, because I have him at nine and you have him at yeah, and I have him at seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So come draft his ECR right now is thirteen. We'll be going. Yeah, yeah. So so the ECR is like the average of our two. The ECR because if you added ours together, it'd be what. 
12 or 12 and a half or something. 12. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. All right. So uh, let's see. That was your 17 and 17. I had Chris Carson. 18. So eight, 18 is uncharted territory. Let's do it at the same time. Uh, all right. We've talked about my 18, but it's uh, all right. So one, two, three, Najee. DeAndre Swift. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. DeAndre Swift is my 19. So, uh, okay. Again, we're like pretty much aligned on him. Yeah. So we, we've spoken on Najee Harris. You gave your take as well. But yeah. Not, uh, so let's do uh, DeAndre Swift. Swift. Yeah. Yeah. DeAndre Swift, he's ECR 14 right now. I can't imagine taking him that high. I just think the Lions offense is going to be abysmal. Jared Goff is there. Oh, so bad. And they're going to have to throw the ball so much just to keep up in games. And, okay, you can say DeAndre Swift is going to get more pass attempts than he did last year. I don't think it matters because they're not going to be scoring touchdowns. Like, you need you need touchdowns as you're running back on your fantasy team. So, I don't know. It's crazy to me that people are putting him at, like, some people are putting him at as high as nine on their board. Like, uh, no, dude, he's not on a good offense. I don't want a running back. And they have uh, Jamal Williams, right, as their yeah. RB2. He's a good running back, yeah. Yeah, he's a good running back. He can but also a be a pass-catching pass back. And a pass-catcher, yes. yeah. yeah. He's a far better pass protector than DeAndre Swift is in his sophomore season. So I don't see DeAndre Swift being a three-down back. He's not going to be on the field for all three downs. And, and Jared Goff is not I don't a think that can – survive without offensive line protection he's not Matt Stafford so like they're going to exactly. put the best, and most protecting back on the on the field when exactly. they want to throw so I, I yeah I can't see it panning out for DeAndre Swift this season uh if I was in a dynasty draft you know DeAndre Swift would be a lot higher than this because he's young and talented very talented but also I I do want to mention his concussion history though like there was a point last season, I think he missed two weeks with one concussion. And uh on Johnson, also on the Lions at that time, mentioned like he wasn't even the same person after suffering that injury, which is very that's, concerning. That is terrifying to hear. I did not know that. But uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that was scary. a that was a quote from him. Yeah. And those things do not go away. They tend to get worse, you know, especially at the running back position. You're taking so many headshots. Like look at someone like Jordan Reed tight end out of well, San Francisco last year, but he had to stop playing because he was taking too many headshots and he had recurring concussion history. Yeah, man. So I think he's a high candidate for that type of injury where he could, he could only have a four year shelf life in the NFL world. So I'm very skeptical of what he will be in the future. So they had a beat writer say that he could touch the ball 20 times a game and play in the slot. Um, That could just be coach speak. They did draft Panay Sewell, who, you know, projects as a day one massive improvement on the offensive line. Um, so, you know, th- there are reasons to be excited about Swift, but I also think that the Lions are going to be one of the worst teams in the league next year. And so that's why I have them kind of at the lower end of my RB2 right. list. And the more I look at this, it's like you're drafting DeAndre Swift with a lot of hope in your heart because I, I look at the guys that I have under him. And for the most part, they're all guys that have more consistent roles than Swift has. Um, so, yeah, so my 18 was Harris. My 19 was Swift. Who do you have in the 19 spot? 
I have Miles Sanders just behind Swift because I do feel like Swift is the most talented running back on the roster. And sure, Miles Sanders is too, but they have a bit more competition for their running back uh, running back snaps than uh, the Lions do, I think. It's pretty much Swift and Jamal Williams there. But for the Eagles, you know, they drafted Kenneth Gainwell. They have Kerryon Johnson. They have Boston Scott. All guys who have proven they can be good on the field when they're healthy. And I don't with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who's going to snipe some rushing yards and rushing attempts and uh, red zone attempts from Miles Sanders, I just don't see the upside anymore for Miles Sanders. I think he's going to be overdrafted in the vast majority of leagues. So I do have him as 19. Uh, he could move up a couple spots in my list, but I don't think it'll be past 16. Well, as we know, I'd be happy to get Miles Sanders as my RB2. Um, we're really wherever I'm, t- I'm picking him. He would be a Top second round target for me. All right, um, number uh, twenty. I bet. I bet we have the same player here. I mean, I, just I bet you we do. All right. One, I bet you we do. Two, three. Josh. David Montgomery. Damn. Oh. <laughs> okay. No, I was struggling with Josh Jacobs. I'd like I to hear your take a lot because too. But uh, David yeah. Montgomery is my next guy after Josh Jacobs. So. We're not that okay. far off, but the thing is, like, Josh Jacobs is a great player. They use him a ton, and we're all like freaking out because they add Kenyon Drake. I don't think Kenyon Drake is that good. I think Josh Jacobs is no. better than Kenyon Drake, and uh, I guess there's the DUI. We don't know if that's going to impact his his snaps at all. If he's going to get like suspended for a game or two, which is a factor. But I don't know. I just like Josh Jacobs a lot. He's been a top running back, and every year he's played, um, he's going to you know continue to be the, I think the RB one in that offense. And while they, I think they're going to try and move like, or I think they're going to try and use Kenyon Drake a lot on passing downs. Well, that was never really just Jacob's strength. Anyway, he, he caught some passes, but he didn't catch a ton of passes. And he's always been more of a bruiser and a, a, tux, a touchdown accumulator, especially last year where he racked up 12. So I'm a, I'm a fan of Josh Jacobs and yeah, I have him at the 20 spot. Yeah, for me, it was like the Raiders offensive line took a step back and a big question mark now. They tried to draft into that role, but they gave up their strength as an offense, which was their offensive line. And now it's a question mark. So with their high uh, contracts to their, their, like they paid Kendra Drake, Kenya Drake a lot of money. Like I I just don't, or something like that. Something absurd. Yeah, like, yeah, he's getting a lot of touches this season. So, to me, they're going to split more like 60-40. And so even if Josh Jacobs is the 60-40, which I think he's, you know, he's trending that direction. In the first now. round and, and Josh Jacobs like two years ago. Like It's not like he's like – and he's performed to that level. So, like – Yeah, but even then, be, like yeah. – like John Gruden has even said some like questionable things about Josh Jacobs, which is like kind of surprising because Josh Jacobs strikes me as a guy who would fit – soundly into a, a John Gruden offense but at the same time he said like some weird things like talking about Devontae Booker and uh, Jalen Richard like last year as supplementary running backs saying like they're going to work in like uh, well I think Josh Jacobs is far more talented than those guys but they did work in a lot of work like as pass catchers and third down running backs so I just think it's a question mark so I don't even have Josh Jacobs I'm at 24 right now but we'll see yeah, I don't know. I could. I, he's always been more usage over, like you know, efficiency person. But I'm I'm kind of excited 
uh, about Josh Jacobs. I just think he's a talented guy. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a good chance. It'll be interesting to see what the offensive line is like. And I think you're very correct there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they try and like make that kind of like a thunder, not a thunder and lightning, but like, a, like, you know, a, a Kamara and Ingram situation almost with yeah. the running backs and try and just kind of get the most out of both and really be a, rushing attack i could see gruden's kind of old school i could see him doing that all right so so david mcgunry i have him at 21 you have him at 20 um i i don't know i'm not super high on david mcgunry he, he finished like very high overall i'm pretty sure last year but rb6 rb6 that's crazy that's crazy it's crazy yeah he will not finish anywhere close to that this year. Tariq Cohen is healthy. They have Justin Fields, presumably, as their starter. I, I just don't see how it's possible, but we don't have to spend too much time on that. Uh, so 21, you said you do have David Montgomery, right? And then 21, yeah. I have Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, nice. Uh, a couple picks higher than ECR, but I just love the Browns scheme like for running backs. Kareem Hunt's getting so much work in the second half of games. Like he was the RB one on their team in the third and fourth quarter and in the games they had to win and they were approaching the goal line. He was getting passes. He was getting rushes. He was getting screens. They love to give him the football and they should. He's a very, very talented running back. So if, if, I don't really want him as my RB2. And yes, I'm ranking him as my RB21 out of 24. So technically I am claiming I would draft him as an RB2, but I would love him as an RB3 if I could get some something like Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and then Kareem Hunt. Oh man, I would love to flex Kareem Hunt every single week. Yeah, I mean, hot take here. I would draft Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and I, I would enjoy having both of them on my team. Yeah, you know that I don't know. It's just like a a lot of running back production between the two of them, and you're getting both aspects of production between pass catching and efficient and sometimes explosive long yeah. runs from Nick Chubb. So, yeah, I I like Kareem Hunt a lot. I like Kareem Hunt any day. Uh, so that was your 21. Yes. Who you got at 22? Well, who do you got at 22? At 22, I have Mike Davis. Okay, he was on my list, and then he got a little bumped. But I, so, I just think they will add a veteran in the offseason. So that's why oh, I did well, not add Well, I'm him. acting on the information that I have today, and the information that I have today is that that's he, fair. he is going to get the majority of running back snaps on a roster that's devoid of running back talent. And that, you know, he, he certainly will. Dis- disappointment on a team that didn't have a great offensive line after Christian McCaffrey went out last year. The more I looked at it, like I'm not – excited about Mike Davis as a player, but we draft these players on opportunity. And as it stands, mm-hmm. he is one of the few like guys that has, uh, you know, the, the majority share of opportunity on his team. Now it is a pass first offense, of course, a lot of receiving weapons, um, but uh, their, uh, you know, their uh, new coach is coming from the Derrick Henry team and a team that is known to rely on running back and play action a lot. So we'll see if they try and employ Mike Davis in that way. And, try and run him on early downs to set up big third down plays to Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I couldn't leave him out of my top 24 uh, just based on the fact that he's the only, uh, you know, they, they signed him. They, they paid him decent money to be the starting running back on that team. Yeah, he is the best running back on that team. And I, I'll probably eat my words here, but 
I don't know. I, I think they will sign somebody, whether it's, you know, Devontae Freeman experiment part two, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't see him being good for a full season. I could see him being a top 24 running back for half of the season and then falling off. That's, that's what I'm worried about with him. So that's why I won't be super keen on drafting him, but uh, running back 22 slot. I have Melvin Gordon the third for now. Ooh. I do worry. I do worry that Javante Ooh. Williams will Javante be Williams more talented. I think so, right? But I think Denver will give Melvin Gordon the first attempt at being the RB one, and I think he'll do good enough. To, Doesn't Melvin Gordon have like know. bad knees or something? I mean, he's getting older. He's like twenty-seven, but. I don't know. Like, I just think he has an opportunity to be the starter. And if he performs well, I assume he, okay. So he had a DUI thing, you know, I assume he's not going to, I assume he's not going to get suspended with this pick, uh, this ranking of mine, but if he does, he'd fall. But uh, if he gets first opportunity on this offense to be the RB one, I think he's going to show that he still has enough to be the RB one, whether it's a 70, 30 or 60, 40 timeshare. I do think it's a timeshare, but we're talking about the RB 22 right now. These are all timeshares. So I think Melvin Gordon will prove that he's been in the offense a year. He can improve with Drew Locke or whoever they maybe sign Aaron Rodgers. Goddamn, I can't speculate on that right now, but but I think Melvin Gordon has the first shot at being RB1 here. So if he performs well week one and two, I think you got a good at least six to eight weeks out of an RB here. Hmm. He's a flex at best to me. And, uh, you know, unless Aaron Rodgers goes there, of course. But I, I like Javante Williams a lot. And I think Melvin Gordon's aging. And I think he might lose a couple of games to the R. So he wasn't in my top 24. And he's not a player that I'm excited about. Um, also, you know, obviously, Drew yeah. Locke is Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I won't say I'm excited about him, but I do feel like he will ha- he will start the season with the opportunity to be their RB1. So that's why I put him there. Okay, so let's recap. Uh, 21, who did you have at 21? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. I had David Montgomery. It's interesting. ECR for Mike Davis at 22. I, I had him at 22. He's at 28 ECR. I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros ranking, and they have him at 38. So they have actually yeah. have him below Javante Williams. So opinions are really split on Mike Davis. But if they don't add a free agent, as you said, you know, I, I, I don't. And he will be a top 24 running back just on opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so at 22, you had uh, – Melvin Gordon the third. Gordon. So now we're on to 23rd. I had Kareem Hunt, who's a player we've discussed – so you're going to love this. Do you remember when you were at my wedding and you pitched a trade to me as your groomsman speech about <laughs> that Chase, was like a Chase Edmonds? That was part of the speech. That was like one line <laughs> and a beautiful touch I feel like it was, to your marriage. I feel like it was your focal point of the speech. No, I'm kidding. I mean, it was the it was a beautiful speech. Yeah, by, by. <laughs> it was a beautiful speech, but yes, Learned Chase Edmonds. <laughs> uh, running back for the Arizona Cardinals. They do not have Kenyon Drake on the roster, but they did acquire uh, James Conner. I don't think James Conner is going to be the RB1 on this team. If he's healthy, 100%, maybe. But I don't think he will last the season. I think Chase Edmonds will be the RB1 
And you could say Kyler Murray is going to take away from that goal line touches, all that. And I agree with you. That's why he's this far down. But I do think he's the RB1 on their depth chart. And I think he's going to be on the field more than James Conner as the season goes on. He will probably have a 60 to 40 snap count to James Conner. So I think in a high octane offense who's looking to make a Super Bowl push, you know, they're an underdog for a Super Bowl push, but. I think in a competitive division, they're going to be looking to win a lot of games. And I think Chase Edmonds will give them that edge over James Conner. That's silly, bro. That's flat out silly. I don't think so. No. I think James Conner is better than Chase Edmonds. And I think Rondell Moore is going to get a ton of running snaps because he's like a five, seven thick boy. And, uh, you know, he probably can do everything Chase Edmonds can do, but better. Uh, I like, I am so low on Chase Edmonds. He is not a person that I'm have on any of my leagues unless I can get them in like the ninth round or some shit okay. for some reason. James uh, Connor is ECR 36, Chase Edmonds ECR 26. Yeah, these boys just for are, context. These boys just for are context. Too low on James Connor. Look at the history of what these just for context. Um that's I, fair. And James Connor had COVID, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know if that's true. Maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> some of the players it's been a long play. year, boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm just not excited about Chase Edmonds. And all right, look. all right. So we're we're at 24, right? We're, we're finally yeah, this yeah, boy yeah. All right, let's well, maybe, maybe uh, same time. Same person, yeah, yeah, yeah. One. I think we do. I, three. Miles. Miles Gaskin. Gaskin. Let's go. Miles Gaskin. Yeah, we finally agree on another. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love. Holy Miles shit! As a Miles yeah, Gaskin dude. owner, like I was excited every single time. Like. I don't know. He was, I got him for like nothing, you know, and he was so fun. Nothing. Wave wire. Yeah. And people are low on Miles Gaskin. Like, I, I don't get it. They didn't add, they didn't add anyone except like freaking Malcolm Brown and free agency. Miles Gaskin is still yeah. the RB1. He showed so much. I think they said that they expect him to be the, like the, the feature back. So I, I don't, I don't know. I think uh, I'm super excited about Miles Gaskin unless they bring in someone else, but they didn't draft anyone. So I think they're We're, confident. Yeah. The, yeah, the Dolphins were like a top prospect for drafting an early running back, and they did not. And to me, that is like a, a super well wish for Miles Gaskin, dude. I'm so excited for him. He's he will invigor the James Robinson hype that I had last year, like yeah. as like an unknown commodity, you know. Like James Robinson put me into the championship round, and Miles Gaskin is that type of player where he has so much to prove. Sure, you can say the Dolphins don't owe him anything because they didn't spend any draft capital on him. They they don't owe him anything. But I think he's talented enough to prove himself worthy of an RB2 pick in your fantasy league. So we both have him at RB24. I'm excited to hear that, man. I'm I'm super excited we rounded this this episode off as a Miles Gaskin hype train. Yeah, Miles Gaskin and Derrick Henry, those are the two running backs that Dana and I are in lockstep on. <laughs> Um, guys, we didn't mention that could be in here. Uh, Travis Etienne was probably the odd man out in my list. James Robinson, who's close. Um, David Johnson is another guy that's you know he's gonna be the RB one on his team. He's just gonna be on one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, Raheem Mostert, when he's on the field, is electric. Those are probably all the guys that I can think of that we didn't mention that are like worthy of being ranked in in our in the top twenty four. If depending on your, I, I did toy with Javante Williams instead of Melvin Gordon, but I decided that they would give the veteran first attempt at the spot. 
other than Javante Williams, but Javante Williams, ECR running back 38. I think that's low. I think I would draft him around 32, 31, or like before Damian Harris and Leonard Fournette. I think he certainly has the upside of taking over that backfield. So the issue with somebody like that. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, uh, the issue with him for me is like if you're t- like that range for me is the range where I'm taking wide receivers. Like if I'm tired in yes backs in the first two rounds, then there's not a chance that there's like as Javante Williams falls into like round seven or eight for some reason, um, then he's not someone that I'm getting because three and four is probably where I'm targeting receiver and maybe tight end if if a, a tight end that I like like you know a, a kiddle yeah. or someone somehow falls that well. Yeah, absolutely. Same for me. I'm just talking strictly on RB rankings. Like, I don't think he will finish lower than 40 and he's ECR 38 right now. So, you know, maybe I'll put him on my like RB four or five uh, bench spot, but see what happens type type of player. Absolutely. All right. Well, this has been a fun one. It's been a long one. What else do we got? It's been a long one. Yeah, we we went long, but you know, like, we had 24 players to talk about. Um, hopefully you guys, you know, you, you, you listen through to the end. All right. So as you know, Fantasy Bible Pod, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, ask us questions in the reviews. We'll answer them on the podcast. Next week, we got Cam. We're super excited to have Cam on to talk about fantasy football, uh, to talk about his podcast, and to talk about, uh, you know, Matthew Barry. Uh, all the Matthew Yeah, Barry his affiliation stuff. and close contact with Matthew Barry. Yeah, he's as a, we know, he you know, is the uh, roommate of... Right-hand man. The right-hand man <laughs> of Matthew Barry. Um, all right, so uh, anything else we got to cover here, Dan? I, you know, we've gone long, so we don't need to weigh these people down with our personal life. Um, everything's going great. Everything's delicious. Dan and I are going to a football game. It's going to be great. Fuck yeah. Right. Live... Oh man, so excited you could join us this week. Thanks for joining. Fantasy Bible Pod will be live next week, same time, same place. Love you guys. Peace out.